Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Picnic Table Ant Chat with me, Ants on a Rock, and our guest speaker today, Mr. Ants Holifer. If you want to go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, yeah, uh, I am uh, Ant Holifer, the man behind the YouTube channel, Ant Holifer. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say. I've been keeping Ant since 2018, and I've been making YouTube every week since 2019 and uh, the big story lately is the leaf cutters you possibly see in the background and uh yeah just uh living the ant keeping life yeah the ant keeping dream yeah <laughs> so as always we've got a few questions to you so we're just going to start with the first one of them straight away so you've already answered it how long have you been keeping ants but what really got you into keeping ants uh, well, I um, I wasn't allowed when I was um, back at home. Uh, I don't know, my, my dad wasn't always too happy with me kept keeping different animals, so I never really kept anything special. Um, but I moved out in 2018, and I don't know, two or three months later, I got my first colony. Uh, so yeah, I, just, I pretty much just got them as soon as it was possible for me to get them. Uh, but I think I got the interest from, uh, like many others, from Ants Canada. Uh, I watched him since 2014 or 2015. Wow. Yeah. And every time I saw the nuptial flights with the queens, that's when I really, really just, that's when I really saw that, well, well, the ants are here. And in general, I've always just loved feeding ants when I've been on vacation, feeding them a bit of chocolate, seeing they swarm it. And I've always been an ant fan, but never really been an ant, ant fan before I met Ants Canada or start seeing his videos. So yeah, that's how I got yeah into the yeah. other. Yeah, that's fair. I think Ants Canada did it for most people really these days. Probably yeah. about eighty percent of our community have started because of Ants Canada. Um, I'm I'm actually the opposite. I started probably about the same time he started uploaded. I started about twelve years ago. Um, but same as you, I always wanted them. The parents said no, you can't have them. And then the minute I got my own place. I got my first ant colony. Uh, can I ask what your first species was? Uh, good old uh, Lacius niger. So uh, nothing, uh, nothing too special. Uh, I, I didn't really see that many YouTubers back then. I just saw Ants Canada and the good old Ants Britannia and yeah. the different few, the different few active creators back then. Um, and I just got uh, got these regular Lacius niger's, uh, which which yeah. they actually did they did quite well. Once I stopped uploading and pretty much left them alone, uh, but yeah. I lost. I sadly lost the interest for them, and ended up setting them loose. One of my big mistakes, um, and took a took an entire break, like late 2018 to middle of 2019, and then that's then that's then that was when I started once more. So, yeah. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I, I love Lacius Niger. I've got nine colonies of Lacius niger at the moment i just find them although they're not like amazingly interesting ants they're just awesome to watch like the, their swarming abilities and the way they tackle things because they haven't got that stinging ability they haven't got that kind of paralyzing effect you know they really have to deal with their issues <laughs> yeah yeah they're just uh they're really simple i mean yeah i've, I've always recommended them as a beginner friendly species Although now I have Campanotus nigoborensis, I would definitely say if you're getting into the hobby and you're thinking of getting these Lacius nitros, but you want to see some action, 
than than Campanotas Nemorensis are way better. I mean, yeah. of course you need to give them a heat source, but if you want to see some action straight away, yeah, there's so much more to watch with the Campanotas Nemorensis compared to yeah. Lacius Niger. I, I have heard that, obviously, with their size, and they just explode in numbers, don't they? They just keep growing. Yeah, really great ants. Yeah, I've, I've had my Campanotus Nibirinsis colony for, I don't really know, four months or five months, and they have already now overtaken, or they are close to overtaking Malaysia's Niters in numbers, oh. and those are over, they are one and a half years old, and since it was the three queen colony they are also kind of brood boosted so yeah even with brood boosting the campanotus nigorensis are way bigger and it's pretty much over already overtaking them at least by wow. the time that hibernations is over they're definitely in front so yeah, yeah. i can't lie i i, I love them <laughs> yeah that's good that's good um okay so next question how many ant colonies do you currently own uh, I, I think I think sixteen different species, and okay. and then I have quite a lot of Lacius nigers for my experiment twenty twenty one. Yeah. I think I think twenty four colonies in total, uh, but sixteen different species. That's the the wow factor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you ever had any large escapes? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, more more than once, uh, I have this. Uh, well, I have my massive Mesobarbus colony, and once there, I can just take a nest. This this is a this is a small version of the nest they live in. They live in the larger nest, and one of these corner screws broke, so all the oh. minor workers were able to get under it and escape. Um, meaning that there were a lot of workers escaping. Yeah. And um, just a few weeks back, I also had another massive escape as my um, outworld broke just a little bit. So the ants were able to get under the acrylic and out. And that also ended up being a, a lot of ants escaping. And I'm still finding them some, sometimes running around the room. So, Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't know what it is. I, I had uh, my polyrachis dives escape a while back, and I thought I got them all. You can be looking for weeks and still find them workers. I mean, I was back here just at the computer a couple of days ago, and one of them just wandered onto my hand. I was like, <laughs> oh, hello there. <laughs> You're back in the tank you go. Bit of a shock. That girl wasn't expecting that. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember I got I got an outworld um, from the... Uh... And Norway, um, and they were like, it's not too good for small species as there's a it's minor escape problem. And yeah. I had a Lacious Niger working work, walking around, and I'm like, did you escape? Yeah. And then yeah. I then I did all kind of <laughs> things to make sure they didn't escape. And then I just kept seeing them like, where hmm? where are you coming from? <laughs> and in the end, I just concluded the Lacious Nigers are too small for this outworld, so I just yeah. Like, put in a bigger species and, and the bigger species just works just fine uh, so it's yeah. just the small colonies but, yeah, yeah yeah again i found with um you know the little square founding outworlds you get the yeah. way they hinge the laciest nigers can climb straight out of those uh, i didn't realize until like you say i kept seeing workers or 
Where are they coming from? Where are they coming from? I worked out they were just getting straight out the hinges every time. Uh, worked perfect <laughs> for like Mesa Barbara, slightly larger ants, but Laceus Niger is just useless. Yeah, <laughs> they're just they're just incredibly small. Yeah, just, I mean, just looking at them now in hibernation, being used to seeing Mesa Barbaras and Campanotus nigrorensis and all my yeah. other exotic species that are way larger, they yeah. certainly seem very very small. <laughs> But they're yeah. Lacious Niger, but it's, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not an issue. It's not an issue. No. Um, how big are the leaf cutters in comparison to your other ants? Have you got like another species you could compare them to? I mean, the leaf, the, the thing with the leaf cutters is they are very so polymorphic. Yeah. Very, like, not, not, if you say very polymorphic, you're not thinking polymorphic enough. Extremely polymorphic. I mean, you have workers that are half the size of Lacius niger they're half the size they're the smallest workers i've ever seen they're like fitoli pieli size they're yeah ultra small and then there are the majors that are just uh, bigger than they're like campanotus size queen size they're just bigger oh, than wow. Barbaros, bigger than anything they're just huge wow. and, I, and, I, and i don't even have the super majors in the uh, adult yet they, yeah. they get they get over two centimeters long when they start hatching so wow yeah they're massive big ant yeah. that's gonna be awesome that's gonna be awesome i can't wait to watch those updates i really can no i i can't wait to get eaten alive by them once i go <laughs> and take out the leaves i mean uh, yeah yeah are they do they like cling to all the dead leaves as well or once the leaf is done with do they sort of leave it alone do they naturally it's it's a bit hard to say because often they kind of like let it be alone so there are only like three workers i had to take off it but when i take out the lid there's also like three or four workers escaping uh, yeah and it isn't really a problem but the other i'm really no the acros are really starting to just run for it once i take the lid off there's no escape prevention or anything uh, okay so when i have to get those three or four workers off the leaf i have to be really quick and just see okay Damage limitation. How many workers have we lost? Um, but yeah, it's it's all fun and games. But I can imagine uh, when I get when the other becomes bigger, of course they will have a big outworld and all this. Yeah. Uh, but I don't want to get be eaten, be bitten by the big other majors once that happens. Well, I'll yeah. try to avoid that. <laughs> Let me just say it like that. <laughs> don't leave cutters. Right, we've got a uh, don't leaf cutter ants use dead leaves to make fungus to eat. Uh, do you want to answer that one? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, if I just go over to grab this, uh, something you really often feed to your ants are just dried rose petals, and that is just dead leaves. Uh, and that is a really good source for leaves, especially here in winter. Uh, but what I'm feeding them in the background currently is uh, bramble. And what yeah. I just noticed was I took some five or six day old bramble out today and they were completely dry, just like the uh, rose petals. So, yeah. and, and they are still feasting on it, but the thing is just with the dried leaves that they don't get all the carbohydrates and therefore you can feed them dried leaves, but then you just have to feed them a sugar sauce or yeah. you can just give them fresh leaves where they get the carbohydrates, the sugars from within the leaf. Yeah. Um, but definitely as winter comes closer and leaves are starting to die, 
uh, I will definitely have to give them a lot more dry food and just provide them yeah. with some additional sugar as we go along. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, one of the things I do for my stick insects, they actually live on bramble as well, is I've got my own thornless blackberry bushes that I cultivate. So that might be something to look into in the future during winter. Yeah, I, I bought two brambles. Uh, I, I, I love... Yeah. I figure out I took some leaves from different bushes and the the two the, the colony really liked the brambles, so I bought the two plants, got them home and put them inside because I don't know anything about plants. So I put them inside and a few days later there were thousands of small lice leaf lice, I don't know what they're called mm. in English, all over okay. because they had hatched in the warm weather of yeah. being inside. So I put them outside and they died out and I continued giving the leaves, uh, but both of the plants have just died down. So I can't use them anymore. Uh, oh. But but I, my thought was to use that, but but they but they died. Uh, I have a question because I can see Anne's Hood said his uh, his colony loves uh, elder leaves. Yeah. Uh, what What is the plant? Is it just elderberry? Because I tried to search what elder leaves are, but I couldn't really figure out. That is quite yeah. Yeah, we can wait for her to answer that one. Um, how will you maintain the fungus when the leaves brown off for winter? Question from Dean. Uh, well, I'm in a I'm in a leaf cutter support group, and we are like fifty or sixty people in there, and together with just using a lot more dried leaves like these. I will just have to ask them what they are doing. And I mean, maybe it will just be 90% dried leaves, or maybe I will be able to find an indoor plant that I can keep indoor and feed them. And it's just about looking around the your environment, seeing what leaves die. I was considering yeah. trying a leaf on a bush, and I was like, no, I'm going to wait, because right now I'm doing some other testings. That entire bush is just dead now. So it's yeah. about it's about looking around seeing what bushes are alive and well test them so yeah that's uh, i mean yeah, yeah there's not that many evergreen species but that's the sort of thing you'd be wanting like um i don't know i'm not really sure to be honest some evergreen species of plant i yeah. i got um i've got a golden privet bush actually which doesn't die down in winter either but that is kept under heat and light and all of that lot but i use that for my stick insects and other things again i don't know if um these cutters would eat privet uh well um, i mean the i have given them two different kinds of privet so far and yeah. they, they they love that so oh, okay uh, well, it's definitely an option. And yeah, I mean, in, yeah. in, in, in my room right here, it's 26 degrees right now. So it's also heated. So it's <laughs> nicely heated. Yeah, nice and sweaty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet. Yeah, I bet. Every, every time I get in the room, the first thing I have to do is just turn off the heat so it can just cool down just a little bit. But as soon as my computer is starting to render, it just heats up the room even more. So yeah, yeah, I bet it does. <laughs> okay, but at least there's no condensation on the. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's the always bus. that bonus to it. Yeah, there's always that. So yeah, that's yeah, that's how it is. <laughs> but one downfall is if they get out, they're happy nesting anywhere in that room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's true. That's true. But I'm. Um, I doubt they will escape. 
I mean, nah, I, had, I, I had some I had some minor problems with the lid warping a little bit, and the teeny tiny warpers were able to go get out. Um, but but again, as long as they don't get the fungus out and anything like that, it's no problem. So, yeah, that's I mean, bad. I mean, they're they're probably the colony I'm the least worried about them escaping because they need their humidity. And even though yeah. it's hot in here, it's not humid, so yeah. I'm not really yeah. Not yeah. really scared by that. <laughs> um, Ant's hood has just got back to us. It's spelled Alder, A L D E R. Interesting. I'll, I'll try to I'll try to look it up and see if I have anything in my yeah. area. Then, yeah. yeah, I tried I tried to search Elder and I couldn't find anything. I I found the Elderberry, but yeah, I'm gonna have to check that then. Um, so next question we have down is, do you have a dream species of ant to keep? Now, I know you've got your leaf cutters, and that's pretty, yeah. But apart from that, is there something that you really want to keep? Uh, I mean, I mean, my, my two dream species has always been leaf cutters, and I've been going for leaf cutters, as I know it's an opportunity to actually get them, and not yeah. have them. Uh, but but bull ants, uh, mimesia, they've also always been a dream species it's, it's a completely different gene from this as these are fast growing and a lot of things happen and they explode in numbers and then we have mimesia yeah <laughs> being uh, being exactly the opposite uh, yeah but but a big mimesia species uh, like brenavada i don't really know the exact yeah. names but the big but the big species that's always been a, a dream just to Ever since I've started ant-keeping, I have a picture from uh, Jordan Dean, Ants Australia, who once showed a picture with the Mimesia queen, uh, Campanota species, and a Fidoli species, I think. And the Fidoli are about the Lacius niger size, and yeah. every time people have asked how big are the ants in Australia, I've taken that picture and showed it, and they were like, wow, wow, and it would just be so cool to see. Yeah, and I yeah. keep that one, but, but yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah. Uh, and Mimesia, one of the bigger Mimesia species, have always been a dream as well. So, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I think, for me, my dream species has always been army ants. Now, I I always thought they were impossible to keep in a captive environment. Someone has recently shown me that I'm wrong. Someone is keeping army ants, so I need to like watch more of their videos and see what that's about. But apparently, it's doable. So maybe in the future, I can own my own colony of army ants. Uh, yeah, I think I, I think I, it, I think there's one gene that you can, but, but but most of the common common army ant species, I think they've been kept in a museum or something, and the colony yeah. ended up being really big, and after two yeah. years, it died or something. Yeah, yeah, that's basically my thinking. Cause you need such a large space for them to like. They're always on the move. They're always yeah. eating. It's just absolute massacre, twenty four seven. So the amount of food you've got to provide, and it, it, you know, keeping them would be a nightmare, but it'd be awesome at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I would now have people asking me, "What will I do with the other?" They, yeah. Uh, as a queen can lay up to 30,000 eggs a day. And someone has said to me that, oh, that'll be just 11 million workers a year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, no big, yeah. no big. Uh, but yeah, uh, it'll be, 
I have already now. I mean, I don't think my fiance she knew how big the colony would be. Um, Never tell said, him. Uh, no, I just said to her that I don't want, I don't need any other big species because I had that one. And she's yeah. like, oh, but that's not so big. Oh, no, don't worry, honey. This will be the biggest species in my entire room. It will be way bigger than any of the other colonies in yeah. a few years. Yeah. So, yeah. Are you be... planning like a big, like open setup with like things between that? You know what? Yeah. Those sort of things. Yeah. That's yeah, be definitely. Cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm quite soon moving and room a bit unscheduled when it will be, but I'm quite soon moving to a new room where yeah. I will have a lot more room in the background where I will build a big, a big, I don't know, a big, um, a big shelf or something. And okay. be like all my colonies will be able to be viewed in the background. And I'm planning like the leaf curls will be in one side and then they yeah. will go over to the other side. So the yeah. ants will crawl kind of over my head once I'm in the studio and recording. So It'll that be would be cool. <laughs> so like, like a border of ants to border <laughs> your ants. Yeah, that'll be, yeah. Uh, that'll be cool. <laughs> that would be pretty awesome. Um, okay, so on with the next question. This is an interesting one. Is there any species in your locality that we don't have in England? Uh, Campanotus herculinus. And oh, okay. And Campanotus lignoperda. Awesome. And Elsa. Awesome. Um, I mean, I've, it's quite it's quite weird because I've never in my life seen Campanotus workers until one day I saw five majors walk around and they were just all alone. And I, I figured out what species it was and identified it. And I figured out that would be the next species I wanted. So I got the Campanotus hercolinus. And that's yeah. when I started to realize I never saw any workers. I keep coming back to the place. I never saw the majors, so they must have been transported somehow in a weird manner because there were five majors all alone with zero workers, zero nest activity. Uh, they were just walking around, so very weird. Um, but, but yeah, Campanotus is, as far as I know, not, not in the UK. No, I don't. I don't think we have any Campanotus in the UK. Uh, I've definitely never seen any in person. Yeah, I would love to see Hercules in person because they're one of my favourite species. I've got I've got two queens upstairs. One of them's got three workers down from five in the space of a year. She's not laid. She's just been yeah. sat there lazy. But the workers don't feed her. They don't come out to forage. They don't do anything. Right. And the other queen has just sat there, not laid either. They've got everything they need. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. They just um, rubbish with Campanotus, apparently. Yeah, I, th I, th I have the same struggles with my Hercolinus. They, they last year when I got them, they had five workers and they had a batch of uh, larvae and eggs, and those then hatched after hibernation, and a second generation also came. So in in the early months of the year after hibernation, they like got from five workers to eighteen workers. Oh wow! And, yeah, and since that. They just laid a lot of eggs and a lot of larvae, and then they stopped. Nothing. I was starting to wonder, uh, I don't know if you recall my whole experience with them all dying, because yeah, yeah, all of that. Uh, so I was starting to think they were brain dead as they, they as like yeah. you, 
they didn't feed the larvae, they didn't really forage. Uh, but then people online said, no, no, it's normal. Uh, they also go in diapause in the summer sometimes. So oh. that's that's how they do. And then I was like, okay, so now we're getting into winter and they're going into hibernation. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's apparently quite normal for Campanota species to just go in early hibernation in the middle of the summer summer, and, and don't leave it again. Uh, so... <laughs> So I, uh, yeah, I have my my worker, my colony has just been stuck at five, 15 workers now because the nanitics have died. Um, but they yeah. have lots of larvae, but it will be interesting if that starts hatching in yeah, the yeah. next year and it will be the same again or because I, I don't yeah. know what will happen. <laughs> I mean, I know there's low species. I just wasn't expecting them to take like two or three years to <laughs> get out of founding yeah. stage. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's insane. Two, two yeah. years and they might my colony have 15 workers and that's apparently a fast colony for many other people like like yourself yeah <laughs> so yeah definitely very weird <laughs> yeah considering like they're not far different to like you've got species campanotus nicobarensis which just explode and then right down the other scale is herculeus which just <laughs> yeah. do nothing just do yeah. nothing at all yeah it's 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 very weird yeah, and I think um, I think I think we're all facing the kind of the same problem with them in the final yeah. stages. Yeah, I think you're right there. I think you're right. We all kind of struggle. The problem is, like you say, you're comparing it to some of those other colonies which are just faster. Um, yeah, I've I've never kept Herculinus before. I I knew they were going to be slow, but I never, without referencing how slow they're going to be, you just don't know, do you? No. Yeah. It'll be a little. It'll be interesting because I have the three queen uh, Campanotus lignoperda, and okay. they, also, they also did quite the same thing. I got them as three queens. Uh, yeah. Two of them ate their brood doing shipment. They never laid again. And the last girl, she laid three larvae that turned into three workers, and yeah. one of them laid some more eggs. But once more, the larvae just never grew. So it'll be interesting to see if all those three queens start laying next year. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, so far it's looking a lot like the Campanotus uh, Herculinus, where they're just not Don't really do doing anything. <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes they're just not bothered. Like the queens are just lazy or something. Like they haven't got that drive to do yeah. it. Yeah. Can it's, you tell about the big um, I will. Stein, I will get round to the tank after the interview because I'm going to be carrying on this stream from the end of the interview until our normal sort of time at 10 o'clock. I will go on to all the other stuff after I speak to Alex, Mr. Holifer, and finish his interview. How are the KB's asking, how are the leaf cutters doing? Uh, they're doing, uh, they're doing quite great. I just gave them some big leaves today. I mean, I can, I can take them. Uh, I just gave Ooh. them, I'm just going to see so I can see properly. There we go. Oh, here we go. Uh, this is the uh, the adder. And I just gave them, yeah, some fresh leaves today. They have really started to shine. Uh, when I got them, all the fungi was dead because it got, the shipment got to completely screwed. Uh, but yeah. yeah, they have really started to make a strong comeback. I just gave them this bramble leaf today, uh, like two hours ago. Um, so they won't start cutting it before tomorrow, probably. 
Okay. I'm, real, I'm I'm really happy for the size of the fungi because it's really starting to shine and it will it looks a lot more like the acro fungi uh, back when I got that one. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I do love the fungus, the way it like shapes it. And um, Ant Hood explained in one of his videos that it shapes it so it's got the airflow and more surface area. And so smart, isn't it? Yeah. It's, oh, wow. Yeah, it's, really, it's really interesting following it. Um, yeah. Especially because it seems like I have faced them this way for a while and the white wall being here and they have gone over towards the surface. So you can see yeah. that they have build it over towards the surface so it clearly seems like they they prefer prefer the humidity over here uh, so i've tried turning the pot nine degrees to see how they will react but yeah the yeah. acros are also they're, they're doing quite great it's like they take a take a a few days break where they don't really cut that much and then they go insane and then they take a little bit of a break once more and then they go insane so yeah interesting that's awesome Awesome. And they are Wakushi setups, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, the ones that he's still trialing? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's a prototype and it's good that they weren't shipped because it had quite a major floor. It's a, it's a small floor. Uh, as the lid warps a little bit, the ants are able to escape over time. Yeah. But of course, he has fixed it now. And so it's, it's good to have some testers, especially with such yeah. a sensitive species like leafcutters. Um, that well, yeah. there's lots of testing before releasing it for real. Wakushi, I, I say it all the time, his thought process, what he must go through, like, like you say, he's getting them tested and he's getting it right before he puts it out. I absolutely love Wakushi's products for that. Everyone I've used has been top notch, really. There hasn't really been any issues with it. And that's why, because he takes on opinions from people which matter, like yourself. Yeah, I just I love his passion. Uh, every time we we talk, uh, we talk maybe once every two weeks or so, and we like we have agreed on like a five minute call, and like one and a half hour later we're like okay so let's stop now, uh, because yeah. it's like every, every single time I talk with him it's just like we're just uh, planning something and then I say one thing towards the pot or something and he goes directly off on a tangent which is amazing because it clearly just shows how much passion he has. Yeah. It's just his mind process around every nest, uh, his new generation coming out, everything. It's just, yeah, it's, I, it's, he's, he's an amazing guy. And that's also why I, well, I keep mentioning him in my videos and I keep giving him the extra support because it's just insane how much he does. It's, yeah, it's yeah. insane. Um, I'm a yeah. big Wakushi fan. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. So am I. I always say I want to try and give my support to anyone doing those amazing things. Wakushi, the ant lady. There's a few more that I really want to support as much as possible because they just go that extra mile, don't they? You can really tell their passion, yeah. their love for the ants and the whole community. You know, We're all benefiting, benefiting yeah. from it in the long run. And yeah, they're just amazing, amazing work. Yeah. Especially also ants antic. I mean, I haven't tried the ant lady um, because, well, just never really fitted it all compared to the colonies I was seeking. But also just ants antic with the with the leaf cutters over here when they were dead. He was he was so sad because he has used so many months growing them and yeah. finally getting them up up to a good size. 
and then we we paid the extra cash to get them shipped overnight and they just never arrived and he was he was just so sad and i was just sad and he kept saying yeah don't worry i'll just send you a new one if they they come over and they're dead but he was just he you just you check you can just feel when the people behind the companies just want the colonies to do great and i mean i of course didn't have any big problem with with the acros i talked with Anne david a little bit when i got them and it looked quite well but you just really see another side of a shop when there's problems because you really see yeah. how they react and the funny thing is when i then made a video about it i just talked through well i got them they were pretty dead i got sent some donor fungus and now it's going better and yeah. after that, after that, Ants Antic, he'd sat down in the comments and said to me, I'm glad you said all of these kinds of words about me. And he was so happy that I had said all of these good things about him. And I'll just sit back. To be honest, I, I just said what happened. <laughs> I, yeah. didn't, I, I didn't want to put you on a pedestal or anything. I just I just told, uh, told the story. <laughs> but I mean, if, if you are going, going all in, you just get the story without really trying. So yeah yeah really really happy but i mean it's it's really nice to see that they are they are both recovering because it took it was a massive reset for the uh the other i mean they had a massive fungus and everything was just thrown away and that you due to yet yeah, shipping problems so yeah it's a really really sad but i mean it's good it's good they are both growing so it'll be interesting to see how they compare over the next few weeks as the the ADA currently is growing quite a lot faster uh, than the than the ADA acros. So yeah. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Um, I was going to say about I I recently used Blackpool Exotics, I think they are, for something I was trying to get shipped for me. We had right issues, and it actually took like three or four emails before I even got a reply from them. Eventually, yeah. they did actually send me a refund, but it was just there wasn't that passion. And no. like, I've got no problem with saying it. Blackpool Exotics, they are good, but there wasn't that passion behind it. Like, if there's a problem, you want to try and sort it out for that customer, if you know what I mean. It was more of a I really had to pursue it, and it probably would have been left as it was. Kind of a big letdown with that one. Yeah. But yeah, you, you really happened. see the bad side of the companies once things are starting to go wrong with the scapes yeah. or whatever. You really just get uh, like, okay, this ants escape. What do I do? Yeah. We fix it, or you did something wrong. It's like two. It's two completely different sides. Yeah. So yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Okay, um, so our next big question, have you got any future plans for your channel? Um, I, no, not really. I mean, I'm planning on moving to the bigger end room quite soon. Yeah. And a lot of people have wanting me to set up a stream about feeding my Mesopapras colony as they go crazy. And now people yeah. want to see leaf cutters. So I'm thinking of I'm, I'm, I have this entire big plan of right now. The big problem with setting up a stream is I don't have any cable management. I mean, it's all the way over here and yeah. you're all the way over here. Uh, yeah. And I don't really have anything. Um, so my plan is to use my electrician skills to like wire up the entire room. So I have cables Ooh. ready pretty much all Ooh. the way around the room. 
So yeah. I just hook up a live stream here, hook it up right here. And I have all of these plans to do this really cool room. Uh, will it be that cool? I hope, but uh, my, my expectations often get above me. <laughs> but but channel-wise, uh, I don't really have any big plans. I want to do more of these documentary-style videos as I did the Inside the Pod uh, two weeks ago. I'm, I want to do a bit more documentary-style videos, but it's also quite hard to do a documentary about a seven-worker colony getting down to six workers and getting up to seven workers again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I want to start uh, making videos a bit more story-based, a bit more like Ants Canada and Aesthetica instead of doing a bit more scripted, whereas yeah. I've just, I'm just talking to the to the clip. Like I, I mean, I like the Ants Hood style where it's just also sitting and talking, um, but I, I just I like going a bit more in depth with the script. It's never really said yeah. anything to me, uh, but after that, documentary uh, i just i actually liked seeing how much better the end result was than i initially expected so maybe yeah. more of that that's i don't know yeah that's fair i mean i can always tell the difference very very rarely i will script my videos but when i do you can tell the difference it's it's mainly the multi-species ones the like big long episodes and like the extra editing quality and just all of it you can just tell the quality difference and like you say you've just got that time to pre-think what you're going to say because i just ramble like i am now i ramble i repeat the same things and i talk rubbish for like 10 minutes and then i might yeah. actually get the point out um whereas if i'm scripting it i can actually say well I'm using like 10 times in the same sentence. Let's get rid of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, like I always say, I, I speak like a farmer. So sometimes the words don't even make sense. <laughs> yeah, the, the thing is just, it's so hard making a, a script. You have to think perfectly. <laughs> uh, I, I scripted my Campanotus video um, from last week. And that was the first time I scripted a video that wasn't well the documentary. And when I was done scripting and started doing the voiceover, I was like, this is this this is seven minutes or something. <laughs> my normal videos, I want to get above 10 minutes, like this 12 to 15, that's what my goal. So it was like, damn, I have written so much down and it's, and it's seven minutes. Uh, but that's, that's how it is. If you don't ramble on with all your different, if you don't say the same thing 10 times, it's a lot harder to say 10 different things. <laughs> Uh, but that's that's how it is. We'll yeah. probably get better in time. I mean, let, let's hope. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's all practice. We're all kind of new at this. Well, you've been doing it a bit longer than myself, but I suppose as time goes on, we will get more David Attenbury. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, uh, after the mini documentary, I was I was so proud of the end result. There was so much. Uh, not better than I expected, but so much like I wanted it to be. And I remember I talked with Wakushi, and uh, he was like, you don't even realize they're inside the pot. And that was exactly my goal. All of this life is inside the pot. Yeah. And then you just didn't really see the pot in the entire video. And yeah. just you see so much inside these colonies, even though they are in a uh, setup like that. So yeah. that was I was I was so happy to hear that because that was really just the goal to just 
show the amazing life inside the book. Inside, yeah, inside <laughs> the book. Yeah, I, I did like that one. I did. <laughs> okay. Um, is there any species of ants that you enjoy keeping more than others? Yeah. <laughs> I, I know what you're thinking instantly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm of course thinking about the leaf cutters. Um, but I mean, uh, lately, I just after after all of like ninety percent of my colonies are in hibernation, you just really start to get a bit more of a bond to those that aren't in hibernation. Yeah. Um, so I've really enjoyed looking at my camp and noticing the rinses, as you can just see the growth almost every time you look inside, just popping up a bit more. And also, of course, just I love seeing my Nova Mesa because they're just also you can just see the personality. But I, yeah. I can't lie. I can't lie. The leaf cutters, those are the those are the big story. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, cool. I remember be, be, before I got them, I did the podcast with uh, Ant, Ant's Antic and um, Makushi. And Ant's Antic said, "You you're not keeping ants. You just it's not like it's like a job when you have to chop up mealworms and feed them to the ants and boom boom boom. But it's not the same with leaf cutters." And I was like. Yeah, but but it is the same with leaf cutters, and it just isn't. It's it isn't. It's definitely joy. Yeah, it's just seeing go going out outside to get leaves. It's just such a weird thing, and then accept giving them to the ants, and the ants not not touching it. Okay, then you have to get a new leaf, and then just hmm. seeing the ants just eat it and grow this weird looking ball of fungus. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's just it's something else. It's just something else. Then, I mean, it's the the good thing about big colonies is you see them go crazy for food. Yeah, but you don't really see these girls go crazy for leaf leaves. You just see them go out and cut, and you can just see if they're going crazy for leaves, you will just see leaves all around the fungus, and you will just see all this newly constructed fungus, yeah. and it's just something completely different to normal colonies. Super cool. Yeah. Okay, um, I, w I did have a question come to my head. Oh, that's it. Do you do you think you can tell when they get excited and when they're like on a low, and you can tell the different personalities of the ants as such? I mean, it's a again, again, the bigger the colony, the less personal connection you get to them, um, and that's not something that just really shines with my Nova Mesa Cacarelli. As there are only seven workers, if you had a seven worker Alicia's Nigel colony, you wouldn't really see anything. But as this colony, I mean, even the queen, she runs out to feast. <laughs> so, so in these yeah. really small colonies where the workers are big, you really see the personality because I, I feed them, they're scared, they try to escape, then they see the food, then they feed on it, then they run home, and then five workers are feasting. And you, you with the smaller colonies where you have big workers, you really see the the emotions and that's also why i've always dreamed of mimesia because i'm imagining that you can just see everything that the ants are almost thinking especially with them also being able to see you um yeah so so yeah with these bigger species you can definitely i would personally say that you can definitely see their thought process and and everything that goes on yeah uh, yeah at least with yeah. the smaller colonies yeah i mean my mana could be better 
the same thing like you can see when you put the food in they get super excited start running about and like it just explodes um and again when my polyracus dives i don't know if you've seen the latest episode where i put the um sticks in for the height yeah. they just you could see they were so excited and running about like little nutters and they're still doing it now um like it's like a plaything for them it's like a play set and yeah you can really tell that they they enjoy it and um, I say it quite often with my ant colonies. I want to try and enrich their lives. I don't just want to have a boring ant colony with like a little outworld or whatever. I want to give them something to make them happy. And if I can see that they're getting excited by these new additions, then that makes me happy. Yeah. I, I have a question uh, because until that video, I actually had mistaken the multi-bio... Multi I can't remember what you call yeah, it. Multi but... Yeah, multi-species yeah. Yeah, I thought I thought the bull ants, bullet ants lived in there, but ah no, right. So the bullet ants are in a different what? Polyracus that side, bullet ants that side. Um, they're in sort of another tropical environment, but it's smaller, uh, much more contained because it it doesn't have all the other um insects in it. I didn't think it would be a good idea to mix bullet ants with anything else. <laughs> a little bit unfair. I mean, there's there's isopods and springtails in there, but I've seen them even hunt the isopods. So um, not often, but if they get the opportunity, they'll just lunge at one, give it a quick sting and drag it into their pit of doom. And you never see it again. Yeah. Was, um, was it yeah. the, the, uh, the bull ants and the polar... polar, polar... Well, you had two colonies in the, the multivarium colonies. Right, that was... <laughs> Um, Polyracus dives and Murano plus bicolor. Oh yeah, that's um, the one. Yeah. yeah, and then they got bullied. The, yeah, the, the bicolor <laughs> are completely def defensive. They they don't go out and attack. They will just defend themselves. So they would curl up into a ball when they would see a dive, um, with their stinger up, and the the dive would come over, get stung as it tries to bite them, and then they generally leave. And that was working for about a week. And then they realized that if they got one ant to like attack from one side, another ant could get in from underneath. And they were literally working in pairs and taking out all these Murano Plus. And I thought, right, like it was about two o'clock in the morning and I couldn't sleep because I was like, they're just going to be tearing into them right now. I know what's happening. Where's my shovel? So I got my little spade. <laughs> Literally one big scoop straight into an outworld. I managed to get the whole colony in there. So job done. I filled it in with rocks and sand and the polyracus carried on. They're happy. And then I spent like two days slowly going through the lump of sand, picking out each individual worker, putting them into a separate outworld. And then eventually I poured all of those workers into a third outworld, which was set up ready for them, which is still where they live now. But it was a long, old process, but I made sure that the queen was still alive. She was happy. Um, I got hundreds of workers out and I didn't see any more Morano Plus after that, which was, yeah, I was happy. But it was an experiment, you know. They they can live co co Codependent. Yeah, code, code, code yeah, I think. yeah, right. So they, they can live with other species, but I think the polyrachis were just too aggressive. Like at the point where they are now, there's probably about one and a half thousand polyrachis dive in there. 
um, if I put anything in there, if I put my hand in there, they're coming at me, flying out the nest. It, it, they're pretty aggressive. Um, so I think they were just too aggressive for the Morano Plus. Maybe something more docile. I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm probably not even going to try again. They're in their own little um, tank now. They, they're established. I'm not going to keep messing about with them. You know, they're happy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, well, I've, I've been wanting to make uh, um, just a big vivarium because I had the Mimikaruba that failed. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm a massive fan of Nordigans uh, and his... Yeah his multi-species terrariums and I would just I would so much love to make a big a big tank like he has with European species and every yeah. time I see your your different videos and what the rare occasion when he makes a video I just yes. I get so upset because I don't have something like that yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but, I, but but I want to make it a, a native tank and therefore yeah. I can't do it before or after hibernation <laughs> that was one of the reasons I didn't want to go native because for six months of the year you won't see much yeah. um, it, it's just actually easier to go with an exotic species because the tank naturally heats itself and keeps the humidity uh, it, it's just easier environmentally wise to go tropical for me yeah also oh. because you have to hibernate a massive tank that's going to yeah. be easy <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's not easy. It's not easy. I've just noticed my crab is coming out along the land. By the looks of it, the yeah, the pump needs fixing, and I've got a crab walking towards me. Basically, yeah. they, cool. they always amaze me. They like, even though they're not ants, I find them absolutely amazing. These vampire crabs are stunning to look at, and just really cool behavior. Like, is He's not scared of me at all. He's literally just wandering, like looking right at me, walking up the tank, and just yeah. Um, he they, one of them was out last night. I think it was about ten minutes after I put roaches in, so he must have smelt the roach meat. By that time, the polyrachis were all over it, so he kind of came over, had a look about, <laughs> not for me, and just walked straight back to his pond. I don't blame them. Like they, yeah, they're pretty aggressive. They'll chase anything now. What um, uh, what, what does the crabs eat? Is it just, just like corpses and they or... they kind of eat everything, right? So they do like protein. They'll they love wax worms. They do hunt isopods as well. If they get the chance to eat an isopod, they will. Um, they'll basically eat any kind of dying plants, algae, mosses, any bits like that. Um, I also keep the pond stocked with, I can never pronounce the name, the Fania, the Fania, yeah, that stuff, the little, tiny little microscopic things, um, and bloodworm. So there's always something in the pond for them to eat as well. I keep the pond bioactive. Um, but yeah, you just see them kind of picking up bits of algae most of the time. And duckweed, actually, they, they eat a lot of the duckweed. And... Um, I'm going to call them like the gods of Olympus or something because the, <laughs> the ants, they take like all their exoskeletons or their leftover cocoon cases and everything. They take it to the pond and give it like a sacrificial offering <laughs> to the crabs. And then the crabs will come out of their little cave and just grab it and go back in. It's pretty cool. 
Yeah, that's, but it sounds. So it cool. always happens so fast. I haven't been able to film it yet. <laughs> like it's just like lightning. Ah, I will get it. Yeah, I saw on saw the last stream that oh there was a crap, and, yeah. and then I looked away, and then you also looked away, and I was like, oh, it's what's gone. So, yeah, it just, so so I reversed to see, I reversed to see, and it just bang just moved out of the way. It was amazing yeah, how yeah. quick quick it was. Yeah, uh, yeah, so fast, so fast. Like they say, they're they're weird because they're not skittish, and they'll come out and they'll interact with the other insects and whatnot. But if I go to lift the top of the tank gone and you won't see them for days um sometimes it's like uh, you won't see them for weeks or months on end they just burrow straight down into the dirt um i've seen them fight a couple of times which again is quite interesting i got really worried at one point i saw we've got three one of them slightly larger than the other two and one of the other two is a different coloration so you can tell all three separately yeah. so the largest one was in his cave And the one which is the different coloration came along the front of the cave and he just went boom and dragged it back into the cave. And I was like, oh no, that's that's not what you want to see. Yeah. So me being me, kind of inquisitive, I lifted the big rock and you could see him there holding this other one. When he was exposed to the light, he dragged it back down into the burrow even further. But I have seen all three since then, so maybe he was just mating. I I don't know. I haven't seen their mating ritual as such, and I don't know if I've got males or females. So it might have oh, just yeah. been a bit of um, bit of a I like you, come here. Yeah, a bit aggressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we've all been there. <laughs> um, we've got a question here from Dean for you. Ants, Holofer, do you keep anything else beside ants? Uh, uh, I, well, I have cockroaches as a feeding source. Yeah. And uh, well, I don't have any insects. I have three cats and a dog as well. Um, but I've considered, uh, I was quite close. We had a, a, like a, a big spider last year that was a, climbed around and we fed it some fruit flies and it kept growing. And uh, we were actually considered buying a little terrarium and getting it and um, but one day it was gone so that's ah. it was. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> but, uh, but i have cockroaches and i have three cats and a dog beside my ant colonies so not nothing that's too special no okay but well, cats and dogs are still pretty special yeah i mean i mean they are special but nothing like weird like scorpions or crabs yeah. or yeah. mill beans or just regular yeah. animals <laughs> <laughs> I I used to have a dog. He passed away a few years ago. I just thought, well, where we are, we're not actually allowed to have dogs and stuff. So I thought, well, I'll bend the rules a little bit. I'll get myself my ant colonies here. <laughs> yeah. So I started again with my ant colonies. Uh, oh well. Um, yeah, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm only allowed to have four four animals in this apartment. So such such. We don't really talk about the ants. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, don't tell them about the hundreds of thousands of little insects running about. Nah, it'd be all right. no, no, no. <laughs> They just count as one. <laughs> um, okay, so this is the last big question from us. Have you got a top tip for beginners? Something that you've learned over your years of experience and worth sharing? Well, I mean... The regular boring thing is to say patience and 
I would say patience and research is the thing you always hear. But the, the thing is, especially for new new beginners, is they go with something like Glacius niger. And that's completely understandable as Glacius niger are a great beginner species. But when, when I got into ant keeping and you have to have patience and all of this, all of this research, blah, blah, blah. I looked at my ants and nothing happened. So I would... I would almost say if you want to get into ant keeping and want to say it serious from the get-go, get something like Campanotus nigrorensis because then the patience is way less. Or also another thing is just get three different kind of colonies because if you just have one colony, you stress them out by looking at them, you they they annoy you because they don't grow. But if you get like like three test tube colonies of three different species, you'll get a lot of different activity, your patience will be way less because you have way more things to look at. And the thing about patience is just, it's, we all, we all hate patience in the end. We, I mean, you, you get used to it, but I am really used to patience today, but I have so many colonies that I look at one colony, the next day I look at another colony. And that way I get really satisfied with looking at my colonies without stressing them. So I would definitely say, Consider getting all in and getting like three beginner species like Lacius niger, Lacius flowers, and maybe something like Campanotus nicoparensis, because then you have three totally different colonies. And well, the the stress and the patience is way less if you just, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, to be honest, I 100% agree with that. That's brilliant advice. Um, that's exactly what I would recommend as well. Because, like you say, you just you can get bored waiting for that colony to actually do something. If you've got a couple of extra colonies, you've always got something to look at. I mean, that's one of the reasons I've got 32 different colonies so that I can just keep looking at different things. And there's always something to be done, you know. Whereas if I just had one, I like you said, I'd probably be checking on them all the time, waiting, like, put a piece of food in, like, why aren't they eating it yet? I'm sat yeah. here waiting. You, you know, it drives you insane waiting for your ants <laughs> yeah as we yeah. all know yeah. brilliant yeah. i'm just gonna have a quick flick through the chat and make sure we're getting any questions if anyone is in the chat and has any more questions please do post them now <laughs> favorite ant supplier who's your favorite ant supplier that's from yeah. Ants England. I mean, it's hard to say favorite because I, I I haven't used that many. I've used Ant Store World of Ants, and they they I had I had some bad experiences. Uh, not not by them, but my colonies died three times from them. Uh, oh. So so I stopped using them, and I've just used Ants Davy for so long before before this year where I really started to hear about and the ant lady and uh, ants antic uh, but colony wise it's it's I can't lie I've used ants Davy my whole life so it's it's probably ants Davy but I would say uh, ants antic is growing on me especially after I've had a lot of conversations with him as well so probably between yeah. those two so yeah yeah ants Davy and ants antic yeah that's, uh, I mean I don't think I've used ants antics yet um just because it hasn't come up yet but i have used ants daily i use a lot of um the ant lady 
in fact i've got quite a few suppliers that i use but it's i have a good look around see who's got the colonies that i want basically yeah, but i do i do stay within the realms of those same few that i always use because you know we know we're getting good quality they care for the ants and that's what matters to me you know yeah Agreed. Yeah, uh, and especially as a content creator, I know uh, a lot of people are going with some weird eBay things. Yes, uh, I rather than I go and get something small and weird to get more people to follow that, I would just I want to show people that it's it's just it's easier and in most cases better to just use a known store. Yeah, like those stores I mentioned, like the Ant Lady, like Ants yeah. or Us, and all of these. And stores that have been here since yeah for a while, just yeah. because it's 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 better for the colony on the long run. So. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I don't, I I personally don't trust a lot of the eBay things. Um, some of the things coming from like the Asian countries. I don't know if that's just my prejudice. It might well be, and everyone's welcome to have a go at me for that. But I just I see it sometimes. I'm like, it it might not be so ethically sourced, or you know, it's it's the whole thing around it where they're getting the ants from how they're going to be shipping them the responsibility they will take over any damage or i see that quite a lot as well with the ebay things saying they will not take any responsibility if the ants die in shipping yeah. and i mean to me that's like that makes or breaks the situation whereas if we you know using one of our good ant suppliers have any issues they'd be the first ones to say, we'll send you some more, let's let's sort this out, you know. So I think that, yeah, it makes or breaks the deal for me. Yeah, de definitely. Just because if, if you don't have life guarantee, they may as well just send you a dead colony. If they yeah. have a dead colony, they can just send it to you and you pay them and they say, oh, it died doing posts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you're 100% right. And like you just... As bad as it sounds, you can't trust everybody these days. There are people out there trying to rip us off. Um, Ryan's just signing on. Hi, Ryan. You're a little bit late to the party, mate. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. He, to be he's fair... He's busy he, being a dad. That's what I was going to say. He's, he's a very busy man right now. So thank you very much for joining us, Ryan. We do appreciate it. I must say, every time, every time I hear I hear your child's name, I I think of uh, I don't know how many of you have seen How I Met Your Mother, um, but yeah. there's but there is a segment where he's like Willow buffoon, because yeah, I mean I think Ted's at, at this nice party or something weird, and and I just think I I can't remember the exact name, but something like Willow, and maybe it's just Willow. <laughs> I just think of that uh, that that clip where it's like Willow buffoon. Yeah, just gonna get that out there <laughs> to Mr. Ryan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool. Right, well, that is the end of my interview. So, is there anything else you wanted to say before we wrap it up? Uh, no, thank, thank you for having me here. Um, I mean, uh, I'm glad to. Uh, it's it's been a nice little chat here, and maybe maybe you can come join my podcast soon as well. Um, I'm thinking oh, yeah. of getting a little podcast about with you and uh, Ryan about naturalistic setups slash bioactive setups so uh, yeah maybe yeah yeah i'm there i'm there yeah no honestly <laughs> no, it's been thank, an honor thank you for having, having me here 
No, it's, it's been an absolute honour to have you. It's been an amazing chat. Thank you so much for coming on. Everybody has enjoyed it. I'm pretty sure we've had quite a lot of people signing on. Um, and yeah, it's been brilliant. So thank you so much. I will leave you to sign off in your own time. And we'll see you again. Yeah, well, I'll uh, I'll, I'll see if I can leave um, properly. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say my bye because uh, and I know some people want it. So, so, so yeah, I can. Yeah, I, I can say my bye. <laughs> so, uh, do you do you do you want to buy? That's the real question. Have do we I? Yeah, do you want to buy? The weird buy. I mean, I don't know the switch. You do it. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, bye. Ah, that was that wasn't too high. That wasn't too high. Bye. Yeah, I, I can't do that. I can't. Do ah, that. you have to do it. Oh, you have to do it. That's. Right. You have to do it. Come on, come on. Go. Bye. <laughs> no, 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 no. Get up in those. Oh, you, you I, need I to get up in those. Oh, okay, I, okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, I'm staying on anyways. I'm staying on anyways. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'll, I'll see. I'll press the leave button and see what happens. So yeah, thank you for having me here, and I will now leave. Bye. Well, that was absolutely brilliant. Uh, just adjust the camera slightly. Too much church. Yes, I have too much church in my voice. Thank you for that, Stein. Um, so I've got a few topics to talk about for the next like hour and a half, two hours, whatever, until everyone just kind of signs off. I'm just gonna make a quick cup of coffee. Um, because I fancy a coffee. I'm gonna move the camera over to the big multi-species tank. You can have a little looksy look, see. Have a look at what the Polyrackers dives have built. They've gone absolutely nuts building up their nest. It's probably tripled in size since the video last Wednesday. Um, absolutely awesome. I'm going to make myself a coffee, and I will be back in a minute. Keep chatting. See you in a minute, fans. Uh, that one. Hang on. I just got a, that one. That one. That one, and that one, and that one. No, no, no. Right, that should. I don't know why it's showing the corner of the thing. Da, 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 da. There we go. Hello, Roger Bill. Thank you for signing on. I am an ant keeper too. Nice to have another new ant keeper joining on. I'm just making a coffee. I will be back in a couple of minutes.
Hello everyone, I am back. I am just drinking my coffee a minute, so I'll leave you watching the tank. Um, I feed my ants on honey water, I make it myself and my ants. They really love it, and I give my ants different um, an apple. Oh, okay, Roger, Bill, uh, what type of ants do you have, can we ask? Have you got um, native species, exotic species, what do you have? Whilst I'm waiting for a reply on that, I'm just going to mention you can now um, you can now re-listen to all these episodes of the picnic table on Spotify. All you need to do is um, look up the picnic table on Spotify, and all the episodes are there. Just one day after the live stream, so by Monday afternoon, you'll be able to find this stream on Spotify as well. So that's pretty cool. We're stretching out to some new platforms. Um, we've got Insta, we've got Facebook, we're on YouTube, we're on Anchor, we're on Spotify. Hopefully we'll be streaming live to all of these channels as well soon. So that's going to be absolutely amazing. We can grow the community and have absolutely awesome chats in these streams. Uh, thank you, Dean. All the links have been posted. So just find the links in the chat further up and you can um, find it much easier there. Um, what else have I got to talk about? Lots, to be honest. My um, Another thing I keep forgetting to tell everyone is if you've got any videos you want me to review, if you've seen a video you want me to review on my Ants and Rock reviews, then please just send me a link, send me a name, let me know what you want me to be reviewing, because I could just keep doing all these videos, but I'd much rather have some input from you, the viewers, of what you want to see. So that would be absolutely awesome if I could get some suggestions. Uh, Stein, what's up, buddy? Tom? I don't know. Okay, um... So I'm going to give you a little update and tour of this tank in a minute. This is the massive multi-species tank that features on my channel. Obviously, you can find the playlist on the channel. Stein's bored. I'm sorry, Stein. I am a very boring person sometimes. Oh, how do I? That's not going. There it goes. Right. There's the nest. It's absolutely massive compared to what it was. That whole back section wasn't there. It's now attached itself to those uh, two upper stick highways, we can call them. Um, and as you can see, they have been using it a lot. Um, I've got a really cool bit of footage coming out next week in a video next week of this tank as well, where I feed them on one of these um, highways. So basically, I put a roach up in that little like joiny bit, um, and 
yeah, it was it was so cool to watch them like stream out of their nest to go and get the roach. It was really, really cool. So I've got that footage. I'm making that into a nice full episode for you. So that should be coming out later this week, if not next week, depending on my time schedule. Uh, what else have we got going on? Obviously, I cut it back not long ago, but it's growing insane. You can see we've got like new growth of the ferns. That one really, really long bit going up, that's just kind of sprouted up. Um, that jelly pot, I need to keep, I need to get that jelly pot out. But every time I go to do it, there's like an ant in it or something. But they have got a new jelly pot there now. There's an ant carrying a cockroach leg. Why not? Um, and the pond. Obviously, you probably just saw the crab was out a minute ago. I've now got the pump moving again, and the crab scarpered when my hand went in there. So that's a bit of a shame, but he might come back out. We'll see, we'll see. Um, but yeah, really, it's just about this, this awesome nest expansion. Um, Roger Bill, you've got Mesobarbus. Yeah, absolutely awesome species. I've got two colonies of Mesobarbus at the moment, one redhead, one blackhead. They're both doing really well. The redhead's doing better, but they're both doing really well. Um, they're just great ants. Like I love the polymorphism of them. I love seeing the majors. And quite easy, the fact that they eat seeds. You don't actually need to provide them with those other foods. But they obviously will be a bit faster if you give them that source of protein and a little bit of heat. But being native, they don't need any of that. They don't need it. It's just an added bonus that will speed them up. So, yeah, I just really like Mesobarbus. They are one of my favorite colonies to watch at the moment. Uh, Dean, yeah, you've just received your Mesobarbus colony from myself. We're going to start cracking on with that on Tuesday after their few days of chilling out after the transportation. Um and then, yeah, it's just going to be non-stop from there, isn't it, Dean? It's just going to be absolutely booming. Get those ants eating some seeds, get them some sugar water, and get them a little bit of protein and heat. And we'll soon have a booming colony, I expect. Um, which, again, will be awesome because if I can... If Dean wants to send me some footage in, like, six months or so, we can see how his colonies come on and compare it to my colonies, which are only at like 30 to 50 workers. So not that far ahead of his, really. We might find that his overtake mine because he's got more care for that one colony. We might find, like Ants Holifer was saying, yeah, he's not got enough going on and you could end up disturbing the colony. So it'll be interesting to see how that colony's doing in like six months' time. Um, da, 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 seven workers and three brood. That's that's absolutely awesome. I mean, seven workers is a great starting point, especially for a Mesobarbarous colony. Um, that's more than they need. Uh, obviously, at this early stage, Dean, they probably don't have any majors. They'll all be the smaller workers. So when we do feed them those seeds, we just got to remember to crush up those seeds beforehand just to make it a little bit easier whilst they're still in those smaller numbers. Um, when the larger majors come, there's less of a need to crush up the seeds because they have the larger mandibles, they'll be able to do it. But until that point, whilst you're with smaller workers and the nitics, 
it is necessary to crush the seeds. Just uh, help them get into it, really. They haven't got the same mouthpiece. Um, another little update I've got for you. It's not worth making a video about because there's nothing to film. Is my scorpion, actually. Um, the update is I haven't seen him or her. I haven't seen the scorpion since putting it into the tank, which has been oh, a couple of weeks now. Um, that's fine. We knew we weren't going to see it much. They're very nocturnal, and they only really come out when they're hunting. Um, I have got a motion camera, a motion sensor camera set up, but it hasn't actually been triggered yet in about a week and a half, which makes me think that the scorpion might just be full up or it might be going through a molting process. <laughs> yeah, that it's not really an update, but I'm telling you about it because I've got a long time to do nothing and just chat my rubbish about. You know me, Dean. I, I can just chat and chat and chat. It's not really an update. It's just me chatting rubbish right now. So, um, yeah, my Scorpion, I haven't seen him or her. I've got a motion camera set up, but it's not getting triggered. I keep checking at, like, 2 o'clock in the morning. Anytime I get up during the night, I have a good look. Nothing. 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 Which is absolutely fine. Like we said, we... we uh, oh, a bit boring. You have not had to check on them for so long. Yeah, I mean, it is a little bit boring, but I I completely knew this when I was taking on the scorpion that I wouldn't see it much. But I was kind of expecting to see it occasionally, it's, even if it's like middle of the night just for a split second. But from what it seems, it spent a couple of days living under the log. It had burrowed a burrow under the log. And then it seems that it went under the rock where I pre-made a burrow for it. And then it now looks that it is living back inside the log. And I say that because sometimes you can still see like a trail of the sphagnum moss. Uh, I, when I was building the tank, I filled the log, which is hollow, with sphagnum moss, basically just to give it a bed if it wants something to like bury itself into. Uh, and that's exactly what's happened Bits of sphagnum moss has been dragged out of this hollow log. It might well be living under the log and just dragging it out. I'm not really sure. But to me, it looks like it is living inside the hollow log, which is pretty cool, pretty iffy, because I was tempted to kind of like stick a roach at the very entrance of the log. But I honestly, I don't know if that's a good idea or a bad idea. It might just go nuts and like might eat me. I don't know. It's not going to eat me, but I don't know. I don't want to disturb it by putting food directly into its nesting area, if you know what I mean. Um, but I do notice that the second I put a roach or anything into the tank, it will head towards the log as that's the dark, safe looking area. To be honest, that could be quite good footage if it heads towards the log and it's not the safe area that it thinks it is. It just like blah, gets it and like, yeah. It, I think that'd be pretty cool. So I don't know what's happening at the top of the stick there, but ants have just started. What? So they've got a cocoon, uh, and he's running with the cocoon. He's running with the cocoon. 
and you go all the way down to the pond, like I said earlier in the stream, and he'll place that cocoon and any other bits of debris and leftover exoskeletons they place into the water as like an offering to the gods like please vampire crabs don't come and eat us afterwards which to me that's pretty cool you know drop a roach in um i actually don't need to drop a roach in because there's four roaches here and the night before like, i gave these roaches last night and the night before, I did the feed-in to the, um, up on the highway. We're going to call it a highway. So I did the feeding up on the highway. So they've actually had six roaches in about a day and a half, which even for them is quite a lot. Um, so I'm not going to put any more food in probably until Tuesday or Wednesday now. Um, it all depends on really how fast this lot gets devoured. And their behavior, as you can see, they're still streaming out of the nest, coming to get it. There's still lots of um, lots of ants eating the roaches. So, like, this is all good. Give it a day or so, you can actually see that they're searching for protein. Um, so that's generally the cues that I take to feed them. You meant the scorpion, so there's me chatting away for no reason at all, but that's all good. Um, I will chuck a roach in, actually, into the scorpion enclosure, probably tonight. Um, but then like, I'm just going to sit there watching and waiting. This is what we were saying about ants, really. Like You can sit there watching and waiting and driving yourself crazy, just waiting to see anything happen, anything at all. Oh, so actually, really interested. Last night, I was watching the crab. He was walking around the whole tank. He managed to climb up on top of the net. The vampire crabs are actually really good climbers. I always forget to say this. they really, really good climbers. Um, he climbed on top of the new nesting area and managed to pretty much fall into it, um, tore down like half of the nest, the ants went absolutely nuts. He went scarpering off back to his pond. But it all seems like they weren't that bothered. They were more bothered that their roof had just been caved in. They sorted it out and like it looks as good as new now. Like this nest is just blowing my mind. It's grown so much so fast. It's just crazy. So a couple of other really cool things going on at a minute. I've just been sent a copy of a book about ants. It's called Ant Farms for Beginners by Alina Daria. If I'm pronouncing that wrong, I expect I am. I apologize completely. Alina Daria. A-L-I-N-A-D-A-R-I-A. -A -A. So I've just been sent this book. I'm going to have a flick through it. It's like 71 pages. Um, to be honest, I, I've read like 10 pages in already. It's a really, really decent book. Really, really good to have a little look at. goes into great detail, but not too much. That is like full of jargon. It's, it's really completely understandable. Um, I'm enjoying it. So I'm going to have a really good read through this book. I will be putting a little review and link share and all of that on my page at some point. But 
at this point, I'm just going to say, if you see this book out called Ant Farms for Beginners by Alin, I can't pronounce it. I am awful. But by this person, it's actually a really good book and it's definitely worth having a little look at. So that's my little five piece from now. I'm going to keep reading that. It. It's got like all sorts of different things um, going into the contents. It's got like introduction, family, genre and species, what ant species should I choose, getting the ants, anatomy, different roles in the colony, the formicarium, diet, examples of typical behavior, hibernation, disease and dangers. So there's, there's loads in there to read. It. Like I say, it's like 70 odd pages. And if you're an ant fan like I am, any kind of ant content is going to be amazing. So, yeah, that's that's going to be my project for this next week. Slowly work my way through this book. And for anyone that already knows me, you know I don't really do much books. Books are like, they're an obscurity to me. I, I can read a book and I find I just don't get into books. Whereas I can read a research paper and I'll take it all in and process it properly. But books just don't seem to do it for me. I don't know if that's just because of my type of brain or I don't know. Books are just not my thing, really. Not my thing. Of course, if anyone in the chat has any questions for me, please do just post them up. I will be here for the next or at least half an hour maybe an hour or so um i will be here chatting away answering your questions so just send them up even if they're not ant related i don't mind i'm here to chat so just post up any questions you have <coughs> and on that note we're going to talk about some of the future plans so Next week, we're back at our normal time of 9 p.m. UK Standard Time. We're going to be interviewing Big Ross. This is going to be absolutely amazing. Honestly, I can't wait. Big Ross has a great channel. He does some great gaming streams, does some great ant content. And to be honest, he's just a really nice guy. So it's going to be absolutely awesome to have him on as well, interviewing him. Um, if you get on my Discord, you can send me your questions beforehand. I will add them to my list of questions. And it just helps these streams move really smoothly and streamline. So if you haven't joined my Discord, join my Discord. The links have been posted by my moderators. Thank you, Dean and Stein. You're both absolute legends. Been super helpful. Um, what else have we got going on? Oh, yeah. So we are, yeah, next week, Big Ross. Honestly, I cannot wait to have Big Ross on the show. It's going to be really cool. Uh, Roger Bill, yeah, my Scorpion, he's got um, heat pads and all of that. It's actually about 27 degrees in his enclosure. Um, I don't know. I think he's happy. He seems happy. There's no signs of anything saying he's unhappy. And he's just, you know, you're just not seeing him. So, yeah, future plans. I've got some more streams being booked in. I'm trying to get in contact with some zoos and nature reserves, um, some other, not just YouTubers anymore. We want to kind of expand the sorts of people that we're uh, talking to. So I'm trying to get, like, like I say, nature reserves and zoos and 
some of the big ant stores are going to come and chat to us. So in the new year, it's going to get absolutely amazing. I've already booked in a couple for the new year, and it, I'm not going to spoil it by saying who or what, but it's going to be super exciting and probably some of our best interviews yet. Um, until that point, we've got me, and Big Ross, more of me, and probably a little bit more of me. I tried not to book too many in around the Christmas period because obviously we're all super busy around Christmas. Um, we've all got our own Christmassy content to create as well. So I've tried not to book in too many people around the Christmas time. Um, but you'll have me basically. So just keep sending in questions, anything you want to know. I am an open book that I don't like to read. Okay. Tom, have you looked at the game Seven Days to Die yet? Honestly, uh, Kevin, I haven't. I typed it into Google about 20 minutes before the stream started. My computer said, you're not currently online. And I said, I haven't got time now. <laughs> so it's actually it's on my list in front of me that I'm going to look at that after the end of the stream. I've got a few other jobs that I'm doing. In fact, I'm if any one of you like knows me, you know how busy I am. I'm constantly creating videos, constantly streaming, constantly making lists of other things I need to do. It's just absolutely manic. My end always is, always will be, but that's the way I like it. Um, I will show you my bullet ants in a minute, Dean. That is no problem. Um, so I don't know if anyone else is interested. I do have two other YouTube channels. Um, I'm not going to post the links to that. If you want the links to them, send me a little message and I will get you hooked up as such. One of them is my athletics page where, to be honest, I've been a little bit inactive on it. But I'm starting to put a little bit more effort in now because I really am enjoying this content creating. I'm really enjoying just getting the stuff out and like talking. And I don't know, I'm enjoying this. This is really fun. I love creating the content for you guys. So my other one is the athlete page. I've just been posting a few videos on there recently. And you can basically keep up to date with my training and competitions that I do outside of my ant world. Um, and the other channel hasn't actually got a name yet at all. It's that new. It's basically everything else that I do. So it's got some gaming. There's going to be some other reviews which are un-ant-related, um, interviews, streams, just lots of other stuff on this other channel. Basically everything random that doesn't fit into my athlete page or my ant page. So three YouTube channels at the minute. I'm not going to post the links. If you want the links, you're more than welcome to message me. I'll hook you up with it. But I'm not that bothered about those channels. It's mainly about this channel. They're just for fun. Um, well, this one's just for fun as well. You know what I mean. I'm putting effort in with this one. Uh, I will show you the bullet ant pack. I will move the camera over now. So we're just going black one second. Oh, dear. dear. Try not to knock it over right and if I do that and here we go bullet ants 
So last night they were fed a rope. Um, it took about 45 minutes for them to drag it into their pit of doom. Uh, as you can see, they are eating their carbohydrates off their cotton wool. Um, annoyingly, they've never been able to really use the ant towers. So I've always had to provide it on these cotton wool. After a day or so, it dries out and you have to do it again. So there's there's always like two or three pieces of cotton wool within the tank. Um, but yet, generally, these are some of the easiest ants I've ever owned. Yes, they are not beginner friendly. If they sting you, it will hurt. It will hurt for about a week, if not more. It might even send you into an anaphylactic shock. And it has been known to kill people. So they are definitely not a beginner-friendly species. If they get out, you're screwed. There's no two ways about it. If they get out, like, you may as well move out of your house and just give it up to them. Um, but apart from that, they, they require a heat source, which is easily provided by a heat map. They require... Humidity of like about 60 to 70 percent, which again, if you're watering because it's in a natural setup, I water regularly, it maintains that humidity naturally for me. Um, I only see a multi species. Oh, no, okay, it has changed. Stop confusing me, Dean. <laughs> um, so I can't even remember what I was saying now. Oh, yeah, so. Uh, it keeps the humidity, it's got the temperature it needs. It's quite an easy setup to maintain. Um, the isopods eat the remaining exoskeletons from the roaches. The bullet ants eat all the meat. So I, I don't think I've even had to like take exoskeletons out of it yet, which has been quite good, because the last thing I really want to be doing is sticking my hand in a bullet ant tank. Because... Well, when I do feed them, they lunge at me. These are quite aggressive ants. I can't, I, I suppose it's because they're like quite prehistoric. They haven't changed much in this time, in like all their years of being ants. They are still quite aggressive and predatory. What, uh, primal, I think is the word. So they're like primal instincts are like kill this, eat that, and do the business sort of thing. Um, whereas I think a lot of ants of like other species have started calming down. Like Lacius niger, they'd rather run away from you than attack you, whereas these will literally come charging out of their um, tunnels and try and bite you, which is really cool. How many ants in the colony now? Um, I think there's probably around 100 in this colony now. I bought them... Um, basically, when I got them, they were about 60 workers strong, including the queen. Um, and probably about 10 or 20 have died off in that time. Now, when I fed them last night, I counted 45, and then I gave up counting because they kept moving. And it was really hard to count moving ants. Have you ever noticed that? Um, so I know there's at least 45, which means numbers are definitely on the increase. They're not going to send 45 ants out if they haven't got another 10, maybe 20 within the nest looking after the brood. So, like, they might, but in my opinion, most ants will try and keep, like, probably at least 10% of the colony 
will be staying with the brood and the larvae just to like maintain the nest as such. They never really send every single worker out to feed at once. So seeing a good 45 is, you know, that's, that's good to me. So I, I'd like to estimate there are around 100 workers strong now. I might be wrong, give or take 20, but I'd like to say around 100 workers. Well, how often and how much should I feed my Nikos currently? Down to about four workers from ten. She is alive and has brood. But if I feed them fruit flies, they do not get very excited and catch them. But normally I, I don't work within a day or two. Okay, um, I would probably avoid feeding them fruit flies at this small stage, simply because... Putting something alive in there for them to catch is like, it panics them. Whilst they're at this really small, fragile state, you want to just like give them nice, easy meals. So like a cut up mealworm or something. For a colony of four workers, you're probably talking maybe a mealworm, maybe two. Cut in half, obviously stick it in some hot water, then they cut it in half. And that would be more than enough. I'm assuming they're still in a test tube. If they're still in a test tube and they've only got four workers and a queen, I would just give a one meal worm probably at the start of every week on a Monday, give them one meal worm until you start seeing that colony growth. What I would also do is wait three to four days between feeding the meal worm to feeding the carbohydrates. This gives them a chance to use all of the protein that they store in their social stomach, give it to their give it to their larvae, and then you can give them the carbohydrates a few days later. Otherwise you sort of they're filling up on one and they don't have time to fill up on the other. Uh, so far they will not take any other protein, i.e. crickets or mealworms. I have not tried a freshly killed cockroach yet. Right, so um what I would actually advise is against giving crickets or cockroaches to such a small colony because, yet again, the ants, like, although Nikas are quite large ants, the colony itself isn't even the size of the prey that you're going to be given it. And it can be just too intimidating. Um, I, If they're not taking it, it can mean a few of different things. It could mean, like my... Uh, Campanotus hercularis that they're just rubbish. It could mean that they've still got protein sources, or it could mean that they're just not hungry. Um, if larvae aren't hungry, it could mean several different things. If you're not heating them properly, the larvae won't be calling out for that food. Um, and if they're already be, been fed, like sometimes, sometimes the larvae just don't want to eat a lot. Um, I suppose it comes down to the individual larvae or ant it's going to become uh, as to how much they want to eat. Obviously, the amount of protein fed to the larvae determines on whether it's a worker, a drone, a major or a queen. So it, it's a difficult one. What I would do is to carry on, like you say, giving them that bit of protein. Um, maybe with the fruit flies, maybe um, pre-killed some of the fruit flies. So what I quite often do with my fruit fly cultures is I will split them in half and I will freeze, literally pull out half of your fruit flies into like a 
lunchbox or something, stick it straight in the freezer for an hour, and that way it, um, it you know, it's killed off all the flies. Give them half an hour to defrost, and I find that founding colonies do really, really well with that because they don't have to chase it. They don't have to, like, fight for a meal. It's just a really easy sort of bite-sized meal for them. Uh, they have a mini outworld with a super juice feeder, and it's been going down fast. See, now that that will probably be where your problem is. If you're providing sugars, like, an all-round time, then they're not going to have enough room in their social stomachs to take on the protein. What I would do is give them carbohydrates, i.e. sugars and that super juice, um, for one day or two days, then give it at least two days of nothing in the outworld and then try the protein. Because what's going to be happening is they're, they're filling up on those sugars, their social stomachs are absolutely rammed full with sugars, but there's just no room left for them to take on that protein. Now, in that case, I have had it before where some of the larvae will die because they can't feed them enough. Um, whereas in bigger colonies, like if you get like 50 to 100 workers, you can leave those sugars in all the time because they'll just like half the colony will eat sugars, half of them will go to the protein. Whereas you're at such a small colony stage at the moment, they just haven't got that room within the entire colony to store both sugars and protein. Yeah, so ant ramblings, I would definitely advise just take out the sugar feeder for a couple of days, like two or three days, then try the protein. Ants can go a really, really long time without any food source at all. As long as they've got a constant supply of fresh water, then you can probably go two or three weeks without feeding them any carbohydrates or any protein. So don't worry that you're underfeeding them. It's better to give them the carbohydrates once a week, protein once a week with a couple of days in between at this early stage because um, they will store it in their social stomachs. They will keep it for those few days, um, and that will give them the chance to use it as well, rather than keeping on storing and storing and storing, um, which can actually lead to further issues with ants storing it in their social stomachs for a long period of time. Sugars can ferment and proteins can go bad, which can lead to protein poisoning and basically your ant workers are just going to die off rapidly um, especially if they're still sharing food with larvae and possibly even the queen they're just going to start dropping off rapidly at that point so like I said it's it's about giving the colony because it's quite a small colony it's giving them that chance to process the food that you're providing them if that makes sense while well, my little rambles and chats about everything Oh dear. So, what else have I got to talk about? I've got um, my Malakaroo bidder at the moment. I, I'm very off and on about this. I've talked a little bit about it. No, no problem, Aunt Ramblings. I'm absolutely thankful that you asked some questions and I'm more than happy to help. I'm happy to help absolutely anyone when it comes to ants. I absolutely love it. Um, and so, anyways, my Malakaroo bidder. 
They are in a tubs and tubes set up. They, I've recently done a video, so you can check that one out. Um, I just feel like they're bored. They walk around the outside of the out world. They kind of, they don't do a lot. They just kind of climb the glass, fall back down, climb the glass, fall back down. They just seem really bored. So I, I spoke about it on my Discord, whether to put them in a nest or leave them where they are. It was voted to leave them where they are. Um, which is absolutely fine. The colony is now growing. They're well above 10 workers. I have no idea how many, but definitely above 10 workers now. Um, so they're getting to the point where we could attach a nest soon. If not, I'll probably have to stick in another test tube before long because that one's starting to dry out. But anyway, so like I said earlier, I really like to enrich my ants' lives. So I've created like um, with fake plants. I know it's annoying. I I don't really like using fake plants, but sometimes they're just necessary, mainly for the height restrictions of some of the outworlds. I always say there's no outworld big enough that like you can build a proper bioactive setup in the outworld and still attach the nest via tubes and all of that lot. You actually have to buy a tank and edit it. Whereas what what I would ideally want is like a two foot outworld by like a, a foot and a half high whatever that you can attach to a nest because that would be pretty cool and you can keep some plants in there but anyways i di digress i've created like a mini forest in my manica rubida uh set up i say mini forest is like a viney kind of whatever it's pretty cool um so i'm hoping that that's going to that enrich their lives they're going to be a bit happier so far they seem a little bit happier and i have got that film for you so that's going to be an episode later in the week um and yet they, they seem happy whether they are or not is another matter but i don't know i just with the manaku rubida they're not like my other colonies my other colonies i can say well i can see that they're looking for food, I can see they're doing this or doing that, I sort of recognise the behaviours, whereas these, to be honest, the only sort of thing I can align their behaviour with is when they start doing the wheel of death, which really is not what I want, like just wandering round and round and round in circles, and I, I can only put it down to them just being bored and having nothing really to do. Now, I did try them a couple of weeks back with the live fruit flies, but they, they killed the fruit flies, but they didn't seem bothered by them. They didn't eat them. They just killed them, and I don't know. So my manakuru bidder are constantly on my mind at the minute. I need to sort something out for them. Um, so if you've got any suggestions, send me a little message. Join my Discord, send me a message, whatever. Um, yeah. I mean, they're not unhappy, but I just don't feel like I'm providing enough for them that I really could as a decent ant keeper. Uh, Kevin, yes, thanks, so I get some problems with my Nikos. I'm going to have to remove sugar feeders. Yeah, I mean, like I say, the sugar, like with my polyrachis dives, I have to feed them sugar constantly. With the bullet ants, I have to feed them sugar pretty much every other day, but the cotton wool will remain in there constantly. But these are larger colonies, like so, like the founding stage colonies. Like I say, I I generally do 
carbohydrates once a week and then wait until like three, four days later, I'll do the protein. And that's just once a week. And that's that's generally all they need. That gives them time to process everything that they're eating. It gives them time not to like, it, otherwise it's going to go bad in their stomach. Could you imagine eating three-day-old meat? It's, it's not the best quality, is it? So it's, you know, when they're sharing that meal between them, because because of the way the social stomach works, it's not using the food as in it's digesting it like the the ant stomach would. It's literally just a store, so it has got that opportunity to go rotten and go bad. Whereas if it's in the ant's own stomach and it's being digested, it won't have that opportunity. Um, so obviously being stored, it gets used via trophallaxis and spread throughout the colony and might even make its way back to the queen. You don't want to be risking giving the queen rotten meat, basically, because that would be the end of the colony. Um, but yeah, it, it is a constant, it's like, one of those things that if you just don't know, you just don't know quite often ant keepers, because yet again, I say it all the time, Ant's Canada is great for his videos, but bad for examples, because he shows you that, just give him this big thing of sugar water, do this, do that, and it's not always the case, like in these earlier stages, you can give them the sugar water, but you need to restrict their diet as well. Um, like, which to be honest is one of my main, my main flaws with the Ant Canada channel is he doesn't show you enough of the the issues and the other side of it. As much as we do all love the Ant Canada channel, like he just he shows the pretty side of ant keeping far more than the the gritty side of ant keeping, I think. Um, which is a real shame. I mean, I would love to get Ant Canada onto one of these picnic tables for a chat. I will I have sent him messages. I will continue to send messages. Um whether I ever get anything back that isn't just, hey go check out my new video um is another matter because um all I found in the past is that I get an admin response basically saying, oh go check out this video or do this or do that. You never actually get a chat to Mikey himself. Which is a bit of a shame, really. Like I always say, Mikey's done such great things for the whole community. Every time I do an interview, like Ants Canada's basically what started it for them. It, it's a real shame, but like that's the way of it, I suppose. Maybe if this channel reaches a hundred thousand subscribers, I might make a big enough impact to be taken notice of. But I think at this point, Ant Canada is just in like league of his own, isn't he? So actually getting noted. I doubt we will ever even see any of my videos, which is, again, a real shame because I think if he saw some of my videos, some of the other YouTuber videos, he might come back to the community and say, wow, I've really been missing out. Like He might not even know that there's this great community of outkeepers out there. I mean, he's got his own community of ant keepers I know with the GAN project and his um, the seven. but I don't know it just doesn't seem very open anymore not as inclusive as it should be um, so that's why I started this really is the whole idea of these streams is to be 
as inclusive as possible, try and get everyone on, everyone have a chance to talk, and just chat and chat and chat. Like, like tonight, the the uh, interview was early, but I've decided to just carry on and chat. Just so if anyone signs on, we can just chat away and just, you know, I really enjoy that aspect about the community, the fact that we could just chat. I think it's, you know, it's just been great, really. It's a great part of... Well, it's great to be part of this community. I really appreciate everyone signing on, watching my videos, signing on to the streams, sending me all these cool messages. To be honest, I I never expected people to get 10 subscribers, let alone 300 and nearly 50. Um, it's absolutely amazing. So thank you all for your support. Um, yeah, I can't really say much more than that. I really, I really, really, really appreciate all the support that I get. If you do want to help in any way, then just spread the word. Tell your friends, show them a video, show them the Spotify podcasts, you know. Just kind of get that word out there. And let's see if we can keep this channel growing. Because, like I say, if we could make it massive, then we could get noticed by, like, some really cool people. In fact, I did get a email back from one of the Zooms lately saying, they would be interested in doing the interview when the channel grows, but as it is at the moment, they're not going to put the time into such a small channel. It's kind of fair enough. I thought it was a little bit of a crap response, but I can completely understand that obviously they're paying their staff. Um, and it is a very small channel still. I'm one of the smaller ad channels still. So if we can grow it, it'd be absolutely amazing. If not, I'll just carry on doing what I'm doing. And I enjoy it anyway, so I don't really care. But as anyone, uh, oh, hang on, I normally remove the cup meal, but yeah, always remove any proteins after like a couple of days because they attract mites and they go bad, basically. Some environments, they might not go moldy, they might just go like crusty. But either way, you want to be removing any kind of exoskeletons or stuff like that after a couple of days. Um, unless they're in a bioactive um, setup like I've got, that way you can be a little bit more lenient with it. You might still attract mites, but you can be just a little bit more lenient with it. Like I can leave the exoskeletons in because I know they'll be eaten by the isopods and other things in the tank but if they weren't going to be processed then yes i will be moving them like all my artificial setups i always remove any proteins and things like that i'm going to move the camera back to the multi-species tank so and just go dark for one second da, da, da. Uh, there we go. Back at a multi-species tank. Get a good view of that. Let's say they are processing it pretty well. There was four roaches there last night, and they got absolutely covered within minutes. Um, and yeah, they're just slowly working their way through it. The polyrachis dies just. They eat so, so much, they just don't stop eating, really. 
which isn't an issue. I always knew it would be like this. They did have three queens to start with, but uh, a couple of weeks ago, one of them died, which means there's only two queens now. Bit of a shame, but by this time next year, I'm expecting, because they have the ability to breed within the nest, I am expecting to have more queens by next year. Um, I won't know. I won't know anything about it until it actually happens, like, until just the population booms. So I might I might see them just by off chance, but more than likely, I won't know anything about it because of the way the nest is set up. Um, they, they'll just keep growing and growing and growing until they enclose the entire tank and probably kill everything else living in there. But that has been planned for. By that time, I'm hoping to have an enclosure that's about three or four metres square. Um, it's all in the plans. I, I can't really go into too much detail of it now because obviously plans change and I don't want to look stupid when none of it happens next year. Um, so there's plans to have an absolutely massive enclosure where this tank will be going inside of the massive enclosure and dismantled whilst it's in there uh, so that it basically, like I did with the smaller tank into this one, I put the smaller tank in whilst I was building. I built around the tank and then I took the glass panels off. Um, that actually didn't happen as planned this time and I ended up moving them with my hands. But I am going to have a team with me to help me do it. So this tank will go into a much larger enclosure. The glass will be removed, the sides will be built up to the same level, and eventually you won't even know that that tank is still in there. So basically it will just expand what I've already got. It won't disturb the colony too much, apart from where they've built their nest against the glass. That's going to be a bit of a challenge. But again, we think we've got a solution to that. Um, I'm not going to tell you that solution because, again, it might change. Things are always evolving with more research being done. You, you know how things are. You just, you never put all your eggs into one basket, do they? So who have we still got on chat? I don't know if I can even look. <laughs> no. I can't look at a minute. But if you're still here in chat, then feel free to give me a little wave hello. Um, feel free to send me any questions, any comments. I'm just having a little flick through this book, Ant Farms for Beginners. I really need to learn how to pronounce that name. Alin Alana, Alina, Al I'm going to say Alina, Davia. Alina Daria. That's what I'm going with. Thank you, Kevin. Nice to see you. You're still there, buddy. Um, let's say this. I'm just going to, I'll read the introduction. Sorry about my reading. I'm dyslexic. Just bear with me. So, introduction. Small but mighty. Ants may be tiny animals, but they are nevertheless fantastic fascinating creatures that exhibit extremely interesting social structures and characteristics. 
This is why people have been interested in ants for a long time. However, for the longest time, observations mainly took place in the wild or in research. Ants are slowly establishing themselves as extremely popular pets, both for adults and children. Of course, they are not cuddly animals like dogs and cats, but animals for observation. When the ants are busy, some people spend quite a lot of time in front of the former carrier, because when observing them, one tends to forget time and ignores the traditional TV. But even though ants are extremely small, they are important creatures that need to be respected and treated well. Therefore, it is essential to learn the needs of these industrious creatures before purchasing them to ensure that you can offer them a nice and species-appropriate home. Now that, just for a little introduction like that, really, really cool. And then she's got a nice little picture of an ant. I can't actually tell you what species that is, but that really nice picture. Um, really great introduction. Yeah, cannot knock it. I do like reading about ants. Um, so, family, genre, and species. As every child probably already knows, ants belong to the insects. Within the insect class, ants belong to the order of so-called hymeno... I cannot pronounce that word. Whatever that word is. Uh, what is generally less known, however, it is ants. However, is that ants belong to the suborder Apocrita, and these are wasps. I can't pronounce these Latin names. I'm very sorry, people. The scientific name of any. Oh, no, start again. Sorry, dyslexic, started again. The scientific name of the ant family is Formicade. The name was introduced in 1802 by the French entomologist Perry Andre Latimer. That guy, the French one, in 1762 to 1833. He lived quite a long time, actually. For that, for that time period, he lived like 89 years. That's quite impressive for that time period. Right, so etymologists are insect researchers. From the scientific name of the ants is also derived their name of special terrarium, formicarium. So far, so good. Formicade is the family in the animal kingdom, and it is with this family that we will be taking a closer look in this book. But this is by no means the ends of the story. Within the family, animals are also divided into genres and then into species. The genre are one rank below the family in hierarchy, usually several species belonging to one genus. However, it is also possible that only one species belongs to a genus. The then the genus is called monotopic.
Each species has a two-part scientific name. The first part of the name is the genus, which the species belongs to. The second part of the name is the species... I cannot pronounce that word. Um, yeah. For example, quite popular genus are the following. The genus Campanotus. Genus Lassius, genus Mimica, genus Formica, and genus Athenogaster. I cannot pronounce that one either. God. Testing me tonight. As a rule, the ants of this genre are also, or well, as a rule, the ants of these genres are also well suited for beginners. The following species are particularly suitable for beginners. Now, I actually disagree with this. I'm just going to check that in. Formica fusca and Formica rufibarbus. I wouldn't quite say are beginner friendly just because they are a little bit more iffy to deal with, a little bit sensitive, but carrying on. So next on the list, she's got Lacius flavus, Lacius niger, Mimicaruba, and... Um, Campanotus nicoparensis. So, yeah, she's really, like, she knows what she's talking about. I just probably wouldn't put the Formica fusca at the very top, maybe move it towards the bottom and have the Lacius above them. But that's just my personal opinion. I might well be wrong. I mean, I'm probably wrong. I normally am wrong. I would put, I put what I thought was, and I've seen some crash and a portion of chocolate in the best I wouldn't have to disturb him. Ah, right, so Ant Ramblings, that's pretty much the opposite of what you actually want to be doing, to be honest. Uh, with Mesobarbarus, yes, they need a constant supply of seeds. Um, they need a constant supply of water. Apart from that, just chuck them in the, the sugar water, like on a Monday, and then on a Thursday, put in the protein. And then, like I say, remove the net after um, just two days for each feeding. Uh, so that way they've got a couple of days with nothing as well. Yes, you would be disturbing them, but because they've got access to an outworld, that shouldn't be an issue as long as the test tube or whatever you're keeping them in, you're not disturbing that. Uh, one colony had 12 workers. Um, I don't even replace my seeds every two weeks. I just replace them when they're getting sort of low. Um, I find that as long as the seeds remain dry, they are fine. They don't germinate. They don't go moldy. They don't do any of that. As long as they remain dry in the right sort of environment, which should be sort of what you've got in your outworld anyways. Um, if they are going mouldy or germinating then yes you will need to be replacing those seeds regularly but you shouldn't need to replace the seeds until basically the seed supply is running really low um they'll just keep working their way through them but yeah always supply with seeds and water and then protein and carbohydrates are more sparse and that's the way to go about feeding your mess of colonies um Da, 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 da. So, carrying on with this book. Which ant species should I choose? Not all ants are the same. The different species 
are sometimes very different and do not always have the same requirements in terms of ambient temperatures, etc. The need needs of some species are more difficult to satisfy than the needs of other species. Therefore, there are some species that are comparatively rather easier to care for and have established themselves as beginner species. Easy to keep species should not have complicated requirements for humidity in the formicarium and for their ambient room temperature. They should be able to tolerate small fluctuations well and not die quickly in case of minor mistakes. Furthermore, the growth of the colony should be neither too fast nor too slow. Too fast and the colony will overwhelm a beginner. Too slow and it can raise doubts as to whether the housing conditions are correct or wrong. Some species have a poisonous sting, but in most cases this is harmless. Con contrary to the common belief that some ant species bite, this is not the case. They mostly sting. The stings are often mistaken for bites. Usually these stings are harmless, but if they are already known allergies to other insects, you are well advised not to choose ant species with venomous stings. Ants that have a sting include the pollen and the uh, well, I can't pronounce those two words. Basically, some of them sting. <laughs> um, I'm, I kind of like. I find that a lot do still bite. If you're looking at, like, say, Campanotus will bite. Um, quite a lot of what you could say are the ones which will spray acid. They will bite you first, and then spray the acid into the bite. They don't necessarily have a stinger. Um, so yeah, she is right in saying that most will use stings but I find it, it's probably about 50-50 in my opinion it might be more 70-30 in the direction of stingers but a good majority of them, I mean Campanotus definitely all bite, they don't have stingers um, my bullet ants, although they do sting, they will bite and sting, I think I don't know, it, it's a bit of a hard one to really dive into because a lot of these ants will bite as they sting and that's more of a getting a grip I suppose but it's still a bite um bit of a hard one but I'm not gonna like knock her it's still great information the the secretion secreted because that's that's hard English the secre secretion secreted from the sting is similar to the venom of wasps and bees if you are allergic to wasps or bees, for example, you should always use, choose a stingless species. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, if I knew that I was going to get stung by a bee and I would explode up and that would probably be the end of me unless someone sticks a massive needle in my heart, I might well avoid the stinging ants as well. Ants and wasps are still very closely related, as you've seen in my video of the origins of ants. The evolution of ants has come from wasps, which took to the ground and slowly lost their wings. And that is still shown today in 
but natural flights when queens and the drones go off to fly they do still look very wasp like and still use a lot of those wasp mating rituals so yeah it, it's still very visible that they are closely related to wasps and bees Right, I'm not going to read any more of this, actually, because I think it is such a good book. I do not want to spoil it. I would much rather all of you go out and get a copy of this book. If you want a copy of this book, um, give me a little message. I'll either send you the link myself or I will put you in contact with the lady who sent me the book and... I'm sure she'll send you a copy as well. There's no reason why she wouldn't. <clears throat> I've been really shocked, actually. It's been quite interesting, a really good read, quite captivated. I mean, I like anything to do with ants, and I'm sure if you do too, you'll probably enjoy this. Well, it is... Quarter past nine now. I've been streaming for two hours and 16 minutes. I'm probably going to give it another, you know, another 10, 15 minutes. And I'll be calling the end of the stream. So if you do have any more questions for me, feel free to send them through now um, before the end of the stream. Because once it ends, I can't go back on and answer them. Again, Thank you, everyone, for signing on. You've been absolutely amazing. It's been really great fun, actually, doing such a long stream. Um, don't forget, next week we've got Big Ross coming on, 9 p.m. normal time. Um, and he'll be staying for until about 10 o'clock, I expect. So that's going to be an absolute wicked interview. Any questions for him, um, either send them through on Sunday night or send them to me over discord <coughs> um obviously we've got a few more of just me chatting because it's going to be close to christmas um after christmas we've got some awesome names again i'm not going to spoil it but we're looking at some ant suppliers some zoos some bigger names that i'm really 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 excited about and like i really had to plea with them to come on but they've agreed to it so they're booked in and it's going to blow my mind wide open chatting to them it's going to be absolutely amazing so yeah just don't miss out do you breed my own dubia roaches i am finding them very fun yeah yes i do i um i breed my own dubia roaches mario worms uh isopods and a couple of other things actually um my roach bin at the minute i'll admit to you it's an absolute mess it needs a good clearing out i do it like once every fortnight roughly most of what i put in gets eaten um like i said i check it once every fortnight roughly just to make sure that there's nothing going rotten in there um same as yours it's natural formicarium so it's got um, 
springtails, no isopods in there because I found that they were, when the roaches were molting, they were becoming an issue. Um, so I separated the isopods. We've just got loads and loads of springtails. So um, the soil in there is so fertile, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, I've been tempted to like scoop a bit out for terrariums and stuff in the past, but I've actually left it just to keep gaining that um, extra nutrition because it is just so good. Um, it is something I would highly advise to any ant keeper that's doing it on a larger scale. I simply do it because, well, going through like a thousand odd roaches a month or something is just crazy, you know. My multi-species tank alone goes through over a hundred roaches a month. I can't remember how much, but if you think I've just given them six roaches, that will last them four days. So I don't know, six times, how many fours are in 360-something? It's a lot. It's a lot of roaches. It's a good couple of hundred roaches just for this one tank alone. So it, it really does make a difference if you can um, if you can cultivate them. Then, yeah. Uh, some iPods and maybe a small colony of roaches. Yeah, I've got all of that in the works for you this week, Dean. No problem at all. Um, we've got some seeds coming to you. We've got some other little bits of food coming to you. Um, yeah, it's, it's all sorted. Like I say, don't panic. They're chilling. They're doing exactly what they need to be doing at the moment, chilling in your drawer, getting used to that new home. Um, and then we're going to start the feeding process in a couple of days and really get them booming. So last few minutes of the stream, just to warn everybody. And although I made myself a coffee, I've been talking so much, it's gone completely cold. Which isn't a bad thing. I say when I first had kids, I didn't have a hot drink for about a year and a half because I was always busy with the kids. <laughs> I do like to be busy. I say anyone that knows me knows how busy I am all the time. Um, constantly got something going on. And millions of ideas going on. You are the roach killer. <laughs> I, to be honest, I don't like killing the roaches that much. They're a pain to catch, and they're you know they're just yeah. You see that beetle? That beetle's about to get bitten. You watch. Ready and get out of it, Mister Beetle. Get out of it. There you go. Get out of it. And off he goes. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't like killing the roaches, but you got to do what you got to do. Um, I don't get attached to my feeder insects. That's the trick. Like, if you start getting attached to everything, then it's really hard to kill the prey insects. So I, like, much like, because this has come up in discussion a few times now, I am not vegan. I am not vegetarian. I do eat a lot of meat, even though I care deeply for animals and insects it's come up a few times that how can i care for animals and insects in the way that i do and promote their good health and well-being whilst i'm there basically promoting the killing of animals and eating of them and it, to me it's it's that separate thing in my head it's like i could 
I grew up around farms, so I know not all farms are bad. Not all of them are like torturing their animals and don't care for the animals. Quite a lot of farmers really do care for their product, the animals, the livestock before it's even a product, you know. Um, but they are there to be eaten. They are there to fulfill this purpose. Whereas, um, whereas if you put a hat on a cow and call it Bessie, that then makes it a little bit harder to kill that cow, doesn't it? So it's like you don't name them, you don't try and get attached to them like you do your pets. They are there for a purpose, and that's how I separate it in my mind. Um, and Ramblins, you've been absolutely fantastic tonight, so thank you for all your questions. You've been really helpful. Like The stream is only as good as the people asking the questions, and you guys have been absolutely amazing, so thank you. But, right, so I am going to call it a night now. It has been an absolutely awesome time streaming with you guys and girls. Thank you all for joining in. Don't forget to sign in next week, normal time of 9pm, to um, book in with the next week's stream where we've got Big Ross. Uh, don't forget, if you want to send me any videos to review, send me the link, um, just send me the name of it. And I'll do a review video for that because we're currently doing one a week. We might move to two soon, but it'd be really great to get some of the content that you want to see as well. Um, and yeah, I think that's about everything. Don't forget, you can check these out on Spotify as well as podcasts. So that's like, it's super cool if you haven't got access to YouTube or something. And I think you can even download them on Spotify to listen to offline so if you want to get on that, show it off to your friends. It all helps the channel. But that's about it for now. It's been absolutely brilliant. Thank you all so, so much for tuning in. And as always for me, I'll see you again, Ant fans.